You're listening to Dim Sum and Vensum, a podcast about food and culture by three Asian friends from three different continents. We're incredibly lucky this week to be joined by Jay and Neil of Chin, a real Charlottesville institution, and we have a special guest appearance by Jay's daughter, Fifi. We chat to them about what it was like operating in Seville way back in the day, and they school us on the ins and outs of Southeast Asian cuisine. Seriously, these guys are awesome. Let's check it out. Cool. I can, I'll, I'll go first since Jay's the one that actually owns a restaurant now. Um, <laughs> and I can just say my, my connection. Uh, yeah, so my name is Neil Little. Uh, I worked with Marissa at uh, her, uh, she interned for us at, at HUM. Uh, and uh, we really loved having her. And she told us about this podcast. And having grown up owning a Thai restaurant, uh, I was uh, very interested in it. Um, and so I contacted Jay to ask if he was interested in it. Um, so, uh, Jay. Um, I am Neil's older cousin by 10 hours. Um, my mom was supposed to deliver him and then uh, went into labor. So we had to um, cancel that and have me. And then Neil came out a little bit later. So I constantly consider him my baby cousin, um, but he's more like a brother to me. Um, but yeah, when we were in high school, uh, I worked at a burrito place, washing dishes. That was my first job. And I was so excited to have that. It was $5 an hour. Um, but all the musicians worked there. And I'm, I'm a musician uh, first and foremost. And so I got that job. And then randomly, I think uh, my aunt, who is Neil's mom and my dad, uh, wanted to open up a Thai restaurant. And in Charlottesville back then, both of our families were the first Thai families to live in Charlottesville, more or less. Um, anytime someone came to UVA to study law or medicine, the, the university would call both of our families up and we'd have them over and host them. <clears throat> so at that point, it was brand new to have Thai food in this area. Um, so they did it and they went big. It was a fancy restaurant, a beautiful space. We had a waterfall and everything. Um, and we did the classic, what you think of as classic Thai food in America. Green curry, red curry, pad Thai, drunken noodles, pad siu, um, all those things. Um, that was 1997. And then we had it for a few years and then ultimately sold it to our friends who own a couple of restaurants in Charlottesville now. Years later, we, we just didn't do the restaurant at all. Um, I went to music school, toured a bunch, taught. And then um, my dad, who came out of retirement from being a doctor, he wanted to help another friend of his, a Thai chef at various Thai restaurants in Charlottesville, open her own. And that was 2014. And at that point, I didn't, I didn't really want to get in the restaurant business. I was like, there's already like nine Thai restaurants in Charlottesville. I mean, who needs another place that has all those things I mentioned, green curry, red curry, you know? So while I was touring with my band and such, every place we toured, whether it was in Europe or across the U.S., we would stop and look for pho. And Charlottesville did not have pho. They had one place and it was this guy who was Vietnamese, but he tried to make it all organic and not use the powder, which a lot of pho restaurants use um, in, in addition to doing the real beef uh, base, but it didn't, it didn't survive. So we, we did it and I said, I want to do pho as well. 
So it was like a, a, a neat kind of thing to do, pho and Thai food at the same time. People could get, you know, a bowl of pho and pad thai. And it was kind of neat. So I was like, this has got to happen. We, we decided to do it and it was just like, it went pretty famous, like really quickly. I mean, not to the extent of like I was David Chang or anything, but it was like in Charlottesville, it got popular pretty quickly and it was really neat. Um, and then from that, we just started doing more Thai food that wasn't the traditional Americanized Thai food. Like now we do like really crazy stuff. I mean, we call one like a beef tartare lob um, it's basically raw beef uh, mixed with uh, different things. We use the fermented uh, fish sauce, which is called blara, which is so neat. Um, it's got this really umami flavor. I mean, all this stuff that people were not hip to 20 years ago. And I think it's just a, been a brand new, exciting thing. Yeah, the other thing we would do back with the first restaurant is there wasn't even an Asian food store in Charlottesville. So we used to have to drive to D.C. or Richmond. And growing up, actually, we would drive to Wheaton and it would be like a big event. We would go, we would go to the Thai, uh, we would go to the Eastland grocery store in Wheaton and we would get, we would get dim sum uh, up there because, and there's still no dim sum in Charlottesville. Uh, we would go to the temple uh, and then we would eat Thai food. We would go to the zoo and we would eat Thai food for dinner and then, and then bring like two months worth of groceries home uh, with us. When we had that first restaurant, we would drive to over where I think where you live, Marissa, and we would go to Tan A. We would drive there and we would, Jay and I would go and we were like 16, like uh, we would go pick up the groceries. We'd get pho and we would go to, we would go to Tan A and we would actually also buy duck from Full Key. <laughs> yeah, no, you, can, you see the ducks hanging uh, in the window displays here now still. Oh, nice. Do you, I think Tan A was even next to that fuso one before and then they bought the big one right they bought the big one it's still here it's Tian Fat now i think there's like two branches as well but i wanted to go back to a lot of the stuff that you said because there's a lot to unpack there but the first point that i really wanted to ask you about is how your family came here how they decided on charlottesville kind of what that story was like because i think all of us here kind of have our own stories about how our families ended up in the, the locations that they did in America. And a lot of it has to do with work, but I think the decision to open a restaurant is a really big decision and hearing that your dad's a doctor, that's a very different profession as well. Yeah, I think too, um, and I can talk a lot, so please stop me if I just go off, but um, my dad always says that he is not an immigrant. He came over to study. Um, and I never thought about that, you know, as, the difference between that and you know with so much that's going on now we, we're asian americans we're finding ourselves um in a different way and at least raising our voices that i don't think we ever had had the chance to before and it was really neat hearing him say that um not too long ago because he, yeah he went to medical school in Chiang Mai and the north of thailand um not with my mom she must have done it in Bangkok or something, they actually met in their residency in St. Louis um, in the late 70s. Uh, they got together then, um, and I think there was a job opening in somewhere in uh, south or near Norfolk, um, and then something in Maryland. They bounced around a little bit, and then someone finally said, you should come uh, work at UVA. Um, I don't know how Neil's mom got here, except if, if it was family. I mean, my mom, my mom came to babysit his brother. Oh, so 
And then she built her own amazing career. I mean, yeah. my mom, my mom was, uh, was, and then she applied to grad school at UVA. Actually, I'm not entirely sure of the order, uh, but uh, they were both doctors. Uh, Jay's mom was actually the first female OBGYN in Charlottesville. Um, and uh, like most people, 50% mo- uh, t- chance I, we asked somebody our age who delivered them and it was Jay's mom. Yeah. Uh, it's true. It's so weird. Um, and uh, yeah, so she, my mom is actually a, an electrical engineer. So my mom was a computer was a computer scientist before it was a profession. Mm. And and then my dad also, uh, my mom and dad met at UVA. My dad's Irish, uh, and so the Thailand wasn't really a good place for him to live, and Ireland wasn't a great place for her to live. So they they stayed here. Yeah, and then so the, the weird thing to me, you know, I mean, like you see a lot of this, and I think about this as a. Uh, you know, from a socioeconomic standpoint, like most ethnic people come over here and what do they have to give? Is there culture through food mostly? I mean, and then you have this whole through line of all Asians where, you know, the parents, you know, are really trying to influence you to become a doctor, which they definitely tried to do with me and my brother. And my brother's in the medical field, not necessarily a doctor, but um, he does some other different work. But so it just came to that point where I think he wasn't bored with being a doctor, but I think he and uh, Neil's mom just like talked and like, there was no place for us to go or for people to go except to our homes to learn about Thai food. So that's when they decided to do it. And looking back, thinking about it being a fancy restaurant is so kind of comical to me because it was like, now I just can't see that. Not that any of our Asian foods that um, all of us experience shouldn't be lifted to the uh, next level, but I've never thought about it with, um, you know, white linen and, and fancy silverware and such, but it was a cool thing. I, I cherish those memories I have back then. Um, now I think it's amazing how so many types of Asian foods are getting a rise. Um, you know, you have white folk just wanting to experiment with everything. Um, house you know whether it's fermented i mean i think people like david chang and um are good leaders in that to make it normalized you know yeah and and off of that i kind of want to take a point that you just made right that right there about a lot of i guess normal white americans being more open to that kind of cuisine and neil to your perspective as well having two very distinctive cultures thai and irish what that was like and i guess for your dad even how that was like even exploring your mom's cuisine and that type of stuff. I don't know. Obviously, by the time I like started like understanding what was going on, my dad had been living with a Thai woman for you know five plus years, uh, and my dad wasn't much of a cook. And Irish food is not much to write home about. Uh, and so, but my dad like, unlike most uh, you know kind of Irish people or northern european like my dad loved spicy food like i don't he i can't imagine he started that way because you know the irish palate is just you know meat literally meat and potatoes uh but yeah but uh as as they age my dad was always eating very spicy food my mom started eating less spicy food along the way my dad the only thing that my dad didn't ever really get into was noodles 
in for, for whatever reason. And that was like a big thing that like my mom and my sister and I like were always like doing noodles together. But my dad will try my dad will try anything and 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 enjoy anything, but he had his favorites. His his favorite on the chim menu. I, I think we skipped the part where we actually named all the restaurants. Um, the chim menu uh, has a, it's a duck basil. My dad liked the, uh, the, the crispy duck basil was his favorite. And so that, that one was like a fairly spicy dish. Um, so good. Yeah, he was so helpful too. So you had to backtrack a little bit. The first one we opened after 20 years or 15 years was a Thai cuisine and noodle house. And that's kind of like if you're headed toward the way to go to DC. So it's up north of town. And we had that for about four years. And even after the first year, my dad, you know, he's 77 now. He's got about 10 times more energy than I do. He just was like, we got to open another one and another one. He just got more and more into having fun with running a business rather than being a doctor. And looking back, he said, even though people I think loved him being a doctor. He often says he wasn't as good of a doctor as he's having fun doing this. So Thai cuisine in Noodle House, 2014. Then we opened Chim, which is south of town in 2018. We'll talk to them. <laughs> and then um, that one, it's so funny because um, Neil will appreciate this. When we first opened Chim, we somehow got the original chef from one of the original chefs from the restaurant we had back in 1997. That one was called Thai with an exclamation mark. That was just, that, we had a giant <laughs> sign. It was just Thai. <laughs> yeah. And my dad's reasoning back when there were phone books, but I guess if you go on Google, you type in Thai food, he wanted it to be like, you open the phone book and what comes up was that first one, which is smart marketing, you know? Um, so that we had that original chef and he even said back at that time, the Thai food we were serving at Thai wasn't, you know, as good as he would have liked to have given because, you know, we wanted to make it palatable for the, uh, for local the masses. For the masses. Yeah. And just have it a little popular. Um, and then most recently this past December, we opened Chim Street, just a smaller version of our restaurant, Chim. And um, in these past two restaurants, the partners are me, my father, and uh, my aunt, who's Neil's mom's. And she, when they opened the Thai cuisine uh, noodle house, she didn't want to be involved. No, but she was uh, a big. She was a big help, but she was like a silent partner in that. But very silent. By the time they started talking about another one, I think, like he was saying with uh, his dad's energy, uh, she was like much more interested in it by the second one, like being back involved. And I think now it's like, you know, like I said, just a few minutes ago, but like, you know, all this food is at a height. I feel like even if you try and go with, you know, Indian, I love Indian food and really good Indian food, but it's still not, I don't think at least where we're living, it's not one of the ones you're going to talk about or people aren't that jazzed besides chicken tikka masala or vindaloo. Um, you know, they don't know these inner, you know, amazing non-popular dishes yet so we're at a great point i feel very blessed to be talking that I, I can do this here you know if i was still a touring musician i wouldn't have had work for the last year 
And if I tried to open these restaurants in Richmond, I don't know if we'd survive. Maybe I don't. I know. I don't know any good Thai restaurants down there. But why the decision to sort of stay in Seville and not like explore the more outer bits of Virginia? Well, Seville has a nickname. Two nicknames. One's called the Hook because it keeps you hooked here. Second one is the Velvet Rut because it's so nice and soft, but a lot of people hate being here. Um, they might, they just might take it for granted. I mean, I think it is a lovely place to live. Very privileged people, but um, you know, it's it's ever changing. A lot of deep history, but I don't think I would have had as good of an opportunity elsewhere. I think I just lucked out. Um, I mean, I think our food is great. I'm not a chef. I love to cook, and I'd come up with menu ideas with our main chef. But it's um, Oh, I'm very lucky. I mean, very privileged and lucky to have this here right now. Um, I look at some of my friends that are Thai or I follow a bunch on Instagram who are really cool in different various parts of the country. Some ones in Atlanta. Um, this one popular one I loved in Portland, Oregon, um, run by a, a Caucasian guy. He just had to shut down because of COVID um, last year. And, you know, Again, I'm, I guess I'm just lucky. And um, I didn't want to stay here. I wanted to move out to California when I was fresh out of college, but it, it hooked us yeah, in. I'm you want to introduce your, your guest? I feel like we'll have to address her at some point. This is on, uh, no one can see, right? But uh, this is um, our daughter, Fiorella Rose Lasco Punyanita, a long, long name. Um, but she goes by Fifi. You want to say hi? Hi, Hello. <laughs> she likes some Asian food, uh, but mostly you like noodles, right? Yeah. yeah, noodles. Noodles are the perfect food. They really are. They really, really are. Uh, I did want to get back to another point that you mentioned too, Jay, when you're talking about just the popularity of different cuisines. On the podcast, we talk a lot about Chinese food just because that's our own background, it's what we're very familiar with. But we tend to see a lot of discussion around East Asian foods. And I think slowly and slowly we started to see people accept Southeast Asian foods and then getting into South Asian foods. So from your perspective, when do you think people start to take Thai food seriously or Southeast Asian food seriously? Well, I think the first main ethnic food that people eat, if you're not, um, you know, a person of color or whatnot um, in America is normally Chinese food, right? And the classic Americanized Chinese food. And, you know, I think it, I mean, I can't speak on um, the islands of like Korea and Japan, but, you know, I think Thai food directly comes from Chinese food. And, you know, my, we have a guy in here, I mean, I mean, he's down in Richmond too, right? The Peter Chang, when he first came here, he was working at this place called Taste of China. And at that point, he was very elusive. Like, it was not like a thing where people knew who he was or his cooking. And I went a couple times. No, we went every Sunday <laughs> before he got famous. And it was like a line out the door. And it was so amazing because Charlottesville didn't have any of that. Um, West Coast has always had amazing Chinese, any Asian food, right? Um but I think, you know, people start with that. But Neil remembers, too, at our first restaurant back long ago, like people come in and ask for the ones they know, like lo mein, 
Um, and then the ones that are like, you know, I don't know if it was, if, it, if some of these were true traditional dishes or not, but like orange chicken, sesame chicken, things like that. When, you know, that's the same as like when someone asks us for pad thai, yeah, we'll make it and we're proud of how we make it and whatnot, but um, no Thai person really eats pad thai. I mean, you know. It is the national dish of Thailand. Uh, but yeah, I don't know any Thai person that chooses, like if they're going in, like that's the thing that they're gonna get. Right, right. And that was specifically because there was a rice shortage in Thailand and the um, king wanted people to um, start eating rice noodles. So they were Chinese white noodles um, and that made like a big thing. So it was like more of a marketing thing for tourism, which was great. But yeah, it's and, and I think they just start trying that from that going from Chinese food to maybe Thai and then maybe Vietnamese at some point. And then, you know, then it starts to go more just adventurous, like being excited about trying all these things. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for us, I think, to judge, right? Because we always ate Thai food and there wasn't a restaurant here. But we, you know, we had good success with that restaurant in the late 90s. Uh, and probably if both of us didn't move away for college, like there's a decent chance that restaurant would have stuck around. Um, but we were we were doing a lot of the heavy lifting and my sister as well uh, doing a lot of the cooking. Uh, one thing about the restaurant industry is good help is hard to find. Uh, and that is why you see a lot of family run restaurants. Um, but yeah, it was, it was always pretty popular. It wasn't the best location either. Um, but you know, managed, managed to stick around and people remember it when I talk to them, uh, people that have lived here that long, they were like, Oh, I love that place. I used to always get the pad thai or, uh, the, uh, the, the basil, the basil, the beef basil or duck basil. Um, so, uh, but yeah, when I moved to Atlanta, I went to college in Atlanta and there was a lot of good Thai restaurants there. So I think, I mean, it's as with a lot of these things, the, a more urban population is going to have been had more exposure to it. Um, and, uh, you know, Thai food has a lot of like interesting flavors. It does have like if you do like Chinese food uh, and that's what you're used to, you'll be able to find a dish for that. Uh, and even at Americanized Thai restaurants, uh, you'll find something different, right? You'll find even like a lop is like a very different flavor than you'll get in like Chinese cuisine. So like that salty, sweet, spicy combo. Um, but then you get into like uh, a lot of the specialized dishes like you get in street food and, and at Chim, they're doing a, a lot of these like the Kalman Gai, which is a steamed chicken uh, with um, the fermented uh, soybean sauce and like black soy and there's there's restaurants and that's all they serve in thailand and they'll do it as a special at chim and i always make sure to go get it when when they do it's very interesting that you guys mentioned about like no type the thai people wouldn't go to a restaurant and ask for pad thai because before i came to america when i was in taiwan i never had pad thai i always like order like authentic um thai food it's like pap papaya salad or like lemon fish something like that and I also want to ask you guys, like, how do you um, balance creativity and authenticity in your menu? For the general public, you know, I want the most authentic now. And I feel like, again, going back to being here in Charlottesville, um, I don't know if it's that I have clout or people have trusted me because we're friends or whatnot. But, you know, with the use of social media um, and everything like we haven't had to spend a dime on advertising since the first year. Um, 
And that's something I'm really proud of because we get to use Instagram and the stories. And, and sometimes I go really off on our stories. And I mean, I talk about social issues with racism and, and what it means like for people to come to us and, you know, to put it bluntly, especially someone who's a never been to Thailand that has no um, Asian ethnicity at all to tell me that our pad thai was wrong or something like that. So at this point, I'm pretty confident. I don't want to say it like come off as cocky, but I'm confident that what we make is the way we should make it, you know? Um, and that that creativity, like, bam, I, you know, we have this recent one, which is a Thai style uh, sour sausage and it's basically Chinese sausages but um, they um, I don't know what they do to it but um, it, it becomes sour it, it has to sit for a while Neil do you remember it's like nam but cooked um, and then it has chilies in it and it's just my mouth's watering thinking about it <laughs> but we put it on and we put it on for 16 bucks you get like six pieces and to me like looking at it at first I'm like 16 bucks is kind of a lot of money, but it's very specialized and they took time to make it and it comes with some sticky rice. And I really was like, when the chef said, we have 50 orders of these, put it on the menu. I was like, oh, I was just thinking you're going to make 10 because what if someone doesn't like it? But it's been selling like crazy. I'm like, is, this on T is this at TC or at Chim? At, Ch at Chim. Okay. I tried the TC special this week, the beef, the marinated beef. It was really good. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one. So, <laughs> so now I'm mostly helping with the smaller Chim Street. Um, and there, same thing, you know, we, that's kind of more Chipotle style. We make it in batches and kind of do like this. But one thing there too is like chicken basil. Um, you know, we're probably all used to seeing that on a menu at a regular Thai re restaurant in pieces of chicken, um, you know, like circular or oblong or whatnot but at chim street we do it like they do in thailand where it's ground meat one lady wrote to me on instagram complaining i love chim so much can you please go back to the regular pieces i was like no i'm sorry no and now that's our best seller at chim street i don't know what to say like i mean i i said you could go to the other restaurant i mean and i, I kind of want to just be that way because I'm proud of it. I want to be creative, um, not just for the sake of like being artsy, but I would want to have that food just like you would go back in Thailand or, or wherever, you know? Um, this this brings up something that I know you sent us a video before we talked from your Greens cook-off video. And there is a statement that you mentioned in there where you said you disliked the stereotype of Asian food being fine enough just in a box. And just hearing you talk about this, it, it definitely sounds very similar. So if, if there's anything else that you put on that, we'd love to hear it too. Yeah, I mean, there was that thing, right? Because it's always like takeout, you know? That left it such a bad taste in my mouth, but whoo, when the pandemic hit last year, I'm so glad it saved us. Um, you know, things like pad thai, drunken noodle, patsyu do not work that well after it sits for even 10 minutes. It turns into like a lasagna type okay. of consistency. We, we were talking to them now. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I'm so glad. And when we opened Chim in 2018, we had already had Thai cuisine for a while. And I said to my dad, I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if we just did no takeout? If we just made sure 
it was here. You, you have to come here to eat. He's like, Jay, it's going to increase and increase. I, I guarantee you. And I was like, oh, this is like so much extra stuff we had to like buy, you know, all the boxes. And then it's bound to happen. Someone's going to forget it. We forget that extra box of rice all the time. So much so that even on our ordering site, I tell them, customers, check your own bag. You don't go to the ATM and take out money and not count it, right? I mean, check your takeout bag. So, and and that's, you know, we will make a mistake, but I basically said, you know, that that happens all the time. And it's, it's a, not something we're proud of, but, you know, it gets busy. Now it has flipped. We are, you know, 99% takeout. And we miss having that beautiful room of people eating inside and, you know, enjoying beer and wine with it and just reconnecting with friends. But uh, there's something, there's a silver lining in it that I love. Um, the margin of error is so much smaller now because the consumer looks at the menu. If they get it wrong, it's their fault more or less, like maybe we mess up still a little bit, but compared to when we were in-house, someone, I remember vividly someone ordering, oh, can I get the duck dish? They pointed the, to the physical menu to that item. We put it in, went back, came out. The lady was like, that's not the dish I ordered. I, wa I wanted this duck and it had this and that. And then, so my waiter looked down and said, oh, you meant this one. She's like, yeah, I did. And so that's a waste, you know, like we had, I mean, you know, she should have just eaten it. Right. But especially for people who eat ethnic food, they're always so scared, like, or something. I don't know. It's like they feel the entitlement to return it. Like, like there's no big deal. Like I don't go to a steak restaurant, you know, and it's not exactly right. And, or if I made the mistake, you know, that, I mean, I should eat it. Right. Um, it's a privilege to be able to eat. Um, and order what you want. So um, it's been a, a blessing in disguise. I like the takeout thing. Uh, I think we're in the process of bringing some people back to at least eat on site. And that by that, I mean, we have a gorgeous patio. Um, we don't utilize it that much because I mean, even the other night someone came to have that experience and we were so packed, it kind of messed, I mean, packed with the takeout, it kind of messed up our flow. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting as things open up, even though I'm also in the mindset that it shouldn't open up yet. But, uh, you know, when that does happen, um, how we're going to organize how we let people back in, um, because I don't want to give up having this takeout. It's amazing. Um, Isn't that like what Jay was saying with the waste, too? It's people don't necessarily understand how it works with like the health department. Like once that dish is like set down on somebody else's table, you can't do anything with it. Like, uh, like the staff might eat it, uh, <laughs> um, having been staff, uh, but you know, you can't reserve that. Like with takeout, like if somebody knows it's still in the takeout container, I don't know if, uh, you know, and different restaurants have different, uh, feelings on, on that. Um, but it's just, you know, waste is just, it's so painful to see food go to waste, especially like in the world we're living in right now. Yeah, it's funny thing you bring up because I was actually having this conversation with my parents too because they recently got takeout from their favorite Chinese restaurant in our hometown and they got sushi pai pool, which is one of my dad's favorite dishes. It's it's pork with the brown sauce and there's always extra sauce so you could save it for later. 
And I know growing up, whenever we would go to restaurants, we would always take home our leftovers. We never wanted to leave anything on the table. But to your point, I remember going out with some other people that didn't grow up in that type of household, especially non-Asian households. They would order multiple dishes and if they didn't like one, they would just order another one, but never bring it home. That's just mind boggling. <laughs> yeah. Not not only are uh, my, so Jay's, uh, Jay's dad is the ninth of 11 kids. Uh, my, and so my mom is the, the youngest of 11 and my dad is the eldest of 10. So like that, there was, there's no waste. There was no waste in our, in our households. Oh, it kills me. I mean, my wife is Italian and she's an amazing cook. I mean, she cooks Asian food as well, but you know, her big thing is, you know, all these different types of pasta and such. She doesn't like, um, day old pasta, like, but I'm like, no, I can't throw that out. I mean, I, I will eat it. I mean, and I don't see a difference, but you know, that's probably the same thing as me saying like to someone, no, you can't eat pad thai the next day, right? <laughs> but a lot of stir fries and Asian food too. I mean, even if you take bibimbap or something like that can be reheated okay. You know, like I, I love curries the next day. Um, so, but it's, it's just unique um, how it all is. But yeah, I mean, also too, the portion size, like I, I know, Neil's mom, my dad and I always talk about pricing and such. And we talk about portion size and like, I, I got some Italian food the other night. Um, it was like $22 for these handmade pasta. It was, it was fine, but uh, they filled the same container we have uh, like a quarter of the way, just so it like maybe looked nice or something. And I, I looked at ours, we sell a drunken noodle for 14 if you get shrimp and it was loaded. Um, my dad has always been like, you know, we just give too much. I was like, I don't think we give too much, but other people are probably giving less. Um, but I mean, that's, that's personal taste, right? Um, who knows? And it doesn't compare to actually going to Thailand and then getting what, $2, $3 noodles on the, on the street. And it's amazing. It's like one of my favorite things to do, just go for actual street food in Asia. Cause it's so cheap and you can get so much. Oh, and I love that. Last time I went was 2016. I was supposed to go last year when COVID hit, and I'm sorry. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, and actually the portions over, at least in Thailand, are small. Like one of the favorite noodle dishes is boat noodles. Um, and they, it's like small bowls and you just order another and another and another. Um, so here it's like anytime we have, you know, a bowl of pho or something and like I, I know some customers will be like, that's that's not as big as this other place. I'm like, God, how big do you want it? But I mean, you know, I think it should fill you, but uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, kind of, this is a random question and I just thought of utensils. What is common utensil etiquette for you? Because I'm very curious about what your answer is going to be. Well, it's so funny you bring that up because at Chim specifically, we had these boxes on the table just like fun restaurants had those, you know, um, the chopsticks and then they brought you the spoon. So we had spoon and fork, regular silverware spoon and fork, and then chopsticks. And when I had a note on there um, and I was just, you know, I'm proud of our culture. And so I wanted to teach, you know, more and maybe it came across a little strong, but I said, you know, do it the way Thai people do. Use the uh, chopsticks just for noodles. We eat rice with fork and spoon where you take the fork and push it on the spoon and oh my gosh so many people like were offended by this there's one uh caucasian lady wrote in on google being saying how 
um, pretentious we were, uh, and she took a picture of it and like posted it. I'm like, but I, you know, and I used to, it used to really bother me. Um, but now it's like enough that like, I'm like, well, you know, fine, do what you want, but it pains me to see you guys eating um, rice with chopsticks. I mean, <laughs> just takes so long. Now, different rice though, right? Cause like Japanese rice, you know, it's not like Thai sticky rice, but it, uh, it can come together. You can pick it up better with pieces, right? Also, in, in the Chinese style, you're more scooping, right? Scooping, right? Yeah, yeah. So Chinese rice typically you have it in a bowl, and then you scoop it out of the bowl. But the reason I really wanted to ask this question is because my family's from Singapore and the Philippines, and we eat food the exact same way: spoon in your right hand, fork in your left hand, and then you scoop everything into the spoon. Yeah. And kind of use it like a shovel. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that this was kind of like a Southeast Asian thing until I started talking to more people and realizing, oh, this is a common thing that we all do. Yeah. And the, and the whole thing of not having a knife. I remember a kid coming over to my house and was like, where's the knife? And, you know, my dad explained or my mom saying, you know, in Thai culture, they cu cut all that uh, pre-prepping uh, so that, you know, it, it's considered um, barbarian-esque to stab something or cut it on your plate. So you're having these smaller pieces and that goes back to that chicken basil being ground that it's an easier bite to have. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love eating rice with a, a spoon. Um, and and yeah, chopsticks for me, I'm still not, I mean, you know, embarrassed to be an Asian that can't do chopsticks as well as I should. I mean, I still do that one, Neil, you and I do that same kind, right? Aren't you supposed to hold it right I fixed it actually. Like in middle it. school, I used to cross my chopsticks. And then one day I was actually just at a, I was at a Chinese restaurant and I was just looking at the wrapper and I like fixed my grip on the chopsticks. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, they have it on that, right? That's printed. Yeah. And then it's always baffled me too when you go to dim sum specifically though, they always give you the ones that are like the, the plastic and it slips so easily, you know, whereas the wooden ones, you know, it can at least grasp a little bit. So I used to have this this argument with my friend in in college. My friends, uh, he's of a, of Japanese descent and she's Vietnamese. And so Thai people usually use like these wooden ones, right? Like the wooden like chopsticks with the skinny points. And um, and the Vietnamese you know, they use the big long plasticky ones that you get at pho restaurants, and the Japanese like the tiny like slippery ones. And I'm all, I was all, the wooden, the wooden ones uh, were the best. And we used to always have that, that conversation. But yeah, the, even just having these different types of chopsticks in these different cultures is so wild. I just want to say for the, for the listeners, Neil had wooden chopsticks ready. At yeah, I think that was my favorite pot that he, he brought. <laughs> I know. Right yeah. next to him. Uh, I actually, well, so until uh, COVID hit, I had a giant noodle bowl in the office. Is that when Jay was talking about takeout, like one of the things that most people don't have is a bowl big enough to eat noodles in that you get from. So it's like having, you know, going somewhere and getting your noodles hot and fresh is like perfect. And so when I make noodles, my wife doesn't really eat noodles very much. And so I'll make a pot of noodles uh, and I will eat it for like five straight meals. I'll eat it for like lunch, dinner, lunch, dinner, lunch. And so I'll bring it to work and I just have all the stuff here at this office. I have hot sauces and the big bowl and the spoon. I got, I have the, the soup spoon right here. <laughs> it's so funny because as someone that lives with like three white roommates right now, I'm just like, where are all the bowls? <laughs> oh, it's, so, it's so funny. We have um, some great 
lovers at our first restaurant like constantly like and you know for better for worse i get all three restaurants the emails text messages everything goes to my phone so i constantly see when someone's ordering and it's really neat but um one couple like they always post pictures of it and it's really cute because right now it's more like not necessarily meal kit style but you know i tell them get your noodles uncooked get the fun noodles uncooked bring it home drop it in boiling water for less than 10 seconds and it'll be so much better so one of my friends has been doing that he sends me these pictures and they're in like these cereal bowls you know? <laughs> and it's so small it's like how do you do that giant so tupperwares yeah <laughs> and so we just gave them a couple of the asian bowls uh since we aren't open anymore and then he he totally changed it up and it's nice so the other thing too northeastern thailand and i don't know about as many other cultures um but that's all and it's close to laos the bordering laos um it's all hands um and that is my favorite uh because it's drier foods you i mean if you're eating soup obviously you have a spoon but yeah it's like you take the sticky rice take your protein whether it's grilled chicken or um fried fish put it together dip you know um, and I'm in the process, this really beginning, beginning, beginning stages um, of writing a children's book um, that I hired this illustrator who's out in Denver. Um, she's amazing, um, based, off, based off of uh, how we eat with our hands for Thai food. And I want it to kind of go with, you know, based off of Fifi making papaya salad with my, my mom, her grandma or something like that. Um, and that was one of the things, um, I don't know, you know, obviously Neil and I have kids and you guys probably don't yet. Um, but you know, now there's all these books coming out where there's representation, you know, and it's beautiful and it's, um, to sh teach about our cultures in this way where it's not such a foreign thing, but it's like another thing that we're going to be able to make normalized, you know? So, um, like one of the scenes in the book um, is it will be her, but it'll be like when Neil and I would go to the Asian market, we would get so bored because my mom, if Neil went with us, it would take two hours to go around the Asian market. So it, was like two, would, it was like tiniest little grocery. Yeah, it was small. It was small. Um, it, was, it was like one fourth the size of Tan A. Um, so Neil and I would sit at the front on the bags of sticky rice and jasmine rice and we play with our little wwf wrestling figures um for hours you know um so yeah it's, it's kind of neat thinking about that and um how you know we can pass this down to the next generation because you know whether i you know the words authentic and um they're kind of funny to me because i feel like you know if you stay too true you become stagnant in um keeping the food fresh in, in terms of creativity. But at the same time, if we lose some of that, we will be losing parts of our culture. If we do too much of this Pan-Asian stuff, if we do too much of these, there's even a place in Richmond that's, um, is it called World Ramen or something? They have like, I can't remember what it's called, but like ramen bowls where they have like, um, it's soup, but they have like beans in there, uh, like like a Mexican one. I'll have to look it up and send you guys if, if you guys are down there because um some of my staff live in richmond um, um and i just thought it was so weird it was just like almost too much hodgepodge you know it's actually funny and this probably uh has uh shows a little bit of our career path but we had the first restaurant my mom always said that i like 
was like so on the recipe and Jay was like always being so creative and like trying new things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm an engineer and Jay's a musician. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember we were like, there was one time they did a ginger stir fry. And Neil and I were mainly on the uh, curry and soup station. And then there was the main wok station. And then there was the appetizer station. So Neil and I nailed that. But I remember one of the chefs like put in purple cabbage one time. And I thought it looked so beautiful. And then Neil's mom was like, no, no. <laughs> not supposed to be. Sounds, sounds awful to me. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, but yeah, so I guess there's got to be that healthy balance. And then what what do you call it? Whether it is traditional or if this is a new thing. And uh, nothing wrong with that. It's just interesting. I think that's an interesting thing. And it was one of the things that they did when, when they were opening Chim versus Thai cuisine is with Thai food, it's like really hard to follow recipes, especially for stir fries to make things taste exactly the same. And once you have a chain, like Jay was talking about with the Chim and the Chim Street and the different chicken, like people expect to be able to get the same thing in different places. So by having them be sister restaurants rather than chains, you can kind of avoid that and say like, this is this chef's style, right? This chef cooks a little bit different. Maybe they're from a different part of Thailand or you know, maybe they just learned a couple of techniques from somebody different. And so like Jay was talking about the boat noodles, the boat noodles at Chim are completely different from the boat noodles at Thai cuisine and they're both delicious. And I love them both, but like they, you, you would not like, like one of them has like kind of an anise flavor and the other one has this very meaty broth. Uh, and it's just like, uh, it's just so wonderful. And like boat noodles is just like the name that it's like colloquially given. And so it just doesn't mean the same thing in different places to, to different people. I, I often say too, if you're like, you know, walking down a street and whether it be Bangkok or Chiang Mai or something like that, and you order a green curry and you walk down just across the street, I mean, that could be different. I mean, look at how many burger places we have that are different, pizza places. I mean, why is that that we can have so many and people like not even talk about it? I posted something, this is a couple months ago about my friend Kitty's restaurant. It's called Monsoon. It's near the downtown mall in Charlottesville. And I posted what I ate and was like, go Kitty, this is some of the best uh, cow soy. I can't remember what I had. It was cow, I, I remember what you had because I wanted to get it. She got these special egg noodles from Thailand. Oh yeah. And she and Jay got them with cow soy and, uh, and soft shell crab. Yeah, and we, we don't do it, right? So I was like, I gave her props. My friend writes in, how good of you to promote another Thai restaurant. I was like, <laughs> what? Like what? Like I'm supposed to be the only Thai restaurant? I want there to be ten more Thai restaurants in Charlottesville. Like it, it's I'm not in competition. Like now, if you were trying to do like in Coming to America, where there's uh, McDowell's and McDonald's, that's a whole different story. Like someone copying our exact menu, but there's variations, and I support all of it. I mean, it should be just as you know, okay, normalized or whatnot as like you know pizza or chicken places right on our on our strip on 29 north <laughs> neil there's what kfc raising canes popeyes popeyes all next to each other oh and zaxby's yeah and zaxby's like, like have my we call it chicken alley <laughs> right next to each other and they're all packed I mean, you know, so there's like various little differences and barbecue places in Charlottesville, you know, where it's, it's more of a Southern town than uh, people think. And, um, you know, it's, there's so much barbecue. I'm like, how do people tell the difference or like why, you know, so. Yeah, that's a good example uh, in terms of 
telling people regional differences when it comes to food, especially if it's not a cuisine they're comfortable with. Barbecue is a really good example because you have North Carolina barbecue that's vinegar based, but then you go to Texas and it's, I don't, I don't know what they put in there. I just know it's sweet, but there's so many different variations to make the same dish and it doesn't mean that it's bad. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I think what you're looking for, within a restaurant, you're looking for some level of consistency. Between restaurants, you know, you, you, it's kind of fair. Like, what well, Pad Thai needs to have noodles in it, and it should be a little bit sweet. <laughs> and uh, kind of the, the, the differences in there. So last question that we want to ask both of you is, any advice you give for people that are wanting to get into Thai food, wanting to get more adventurous with their palate, what are some suggestions that you would make to them or dishes that you would suggest that they try? Um, I think if you're looking to like get into spice, like, so there's a question of whether or not you eat spicy food and Thai food has a big range of not spicy and spicy, but curries, I think are like a really good intro to spice, uh, because they can be pretty mild and still have all the flavors. And then you can kind of increase with within there. Um, and but yeah those are the basics as, as as jay was talking about earlier that you have your basically your, your hot and sour salad line your lobs your beef salad your seafood salad and so in thailand like when you're ordering a salad it's gonna be this hot sour salty uh combo and so like that's a really like good piece of the pot puzzle uh and and really like just trying different combinations of things different proteins with these styles is is, is something that's a good way to, to, to check it out like chicken's great I love chicken I eat a lot of chicken but like you know if, if there's shrimp available or uh, squid available I try to mix that in too yeah same thing I think and like I said earlier you know pet it's not necessarily like wrong to have it or whatnot it might be a great gateway to everything else and I think sometimes it is I think though you know, when people go to any place they, you know, aren't totally familiar with, check it out. I mean, I mean, you know, we do have the, these things like Yelp and stuff, which I'm not a fan of, but I do think actually there's a, I saw this on, was it Ali Wong or um, another food thing that um, there's a specific Chinese um, American um, app thing in San Francisco that they made for uh, Asian people to go and really read the ratings because this one, I thought it was Ali Wong, the comedian was talking about this where some people, you know, will read a Yelp review and it's like five stars. And then the Asian people go there and they're like this, like, it's like, you know, no good, you know? Um, but anyway, like these things, like they help. I mean, they can see, uh, I think following their, the companies social media and seeing what they like to post is great. I follow this one restaurant in Atlanta called Talat Market. It's a Thai place and they do some outstanding stuff. Another one in Brooklyn um, called Ugly Baby and the, just following their photos of what they like to do is the best, you know? Um, and then you slowly get into these things and trying it out. Um, for the most part, you know, nothing's too out there that I think is really gonna like mess up someone's palate like that they'll be disgusted by. Some things might take getting used to. I mean, you know, for some people that have never had kimchi before, maybe it is strong for them. I mean, I can drink kimchi juice, you know, I love it. Um, so my friend here in Charleston, um, 
her her place is called Mama Bird Farm and she's Korean and, and it's the best in Charleston, um, I think. Um, but, you know, so things like the papaya salad we do with the fermented fish sauce, that is hard for some people. I've gotten some texts from close friends being like, it smells kind of funky. Is it safe to eat? <laughs> yes, it's really safe to eat, you know? Um, so it, it, you know, pad thai, the drunken noodles, you know, pad to you are fine. Even if you want to go basic with some of these lighter ones, like a stir fry that's just, I mean, I don't mean to say this isn't good or not, but, and there is something just be said about um, simplicity, but like, you know, we have one that's just a garlic stir fry, you know, garlic chicken. And it's, I love it. You know? So good. <laughs> so, it's like oyster sauce and like all the soy sauces and some fish sauce and like lots of fried garlic. Right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, well, the the noodle dishes like if you do like pad thai, try a try a pad to you or uh, try like an egg noodle stir. Just try one of the other noodle stir fries because and, and they're not that's not going to be wild flavors, uh, but you know like that's like how I kind of ease my wife into trying more things as well. Um, in that and she's got a, she's got a fairly adventurous palate, but uh, so maybe not the best example. Um, well, but, but those, those like different lines, like, especially when we're just kind of working through the menu and like during the pandemic, they delivered to our neighborhood, like every Thursday, the, the Thai cuisine has. So like, she's like gotten through like a lot of those different uh, noodle stir fries. I think for a lot of people too, and this is, I'm guilty of it too, right? Where, wherever you had your first good experience of a dish or your friend made you pad thai or I'm a huge Mediterranean food fan. Like I love falafel like crazy. So whatever time I ever had, like my first really good one, I hold that as the shining light, right? So if I have it somewhere else, I'm like, this might not be as good. And I have to remind myself, I have to be a little more patient with it or um, understand that, yeah, this person might be from a totally different part. Um, you know, and that crosses a, a few different countries, falafel, you know? Um, so yeah, some people might have had pad thai in Thailand. They might have had it, you know, in DC or they, you know, it could be anywhere. Maybe a friend of theirs made it and just did that little quick thing of doing peanut butter and ketchup as their base, which is gross to me, but that's what they think of as their pad thai. And if our restaurant makes it and it's more tamarind or sweeter, a little sour, they're like, ooh, what's wrong with it? I can understand where they're coming from because they weren't used to it, but that's not to say, you know, ours is wrong. Um, so last thing before we go, if you want to give a plug for the restaurants, you can do that. There's, there's three in Charlottesville. One is Thai Cuisine and Noodle House, and that's going to be near the Stonefield Shopping Center. Uh, and then Chim is uh, near Wegmans in Charlottesville. And then Chim Street is in the new dairy building. Uh, and there's Kind of, it's kind of a, a, a food court. So, you know, you can get some through ice cream when you're done or, or a Star Hill beer uh, when you're done there. Um, and uh, I, I am not directly involved with any of them, but obviously I have an affinity towards them, but it is really good food. You should check it out. We hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for listening and join us next time for more dim sum and vent Cheers.